Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I did the video recently about that case uh, involving the Supreme Court and a party called 303 Creative. And I mentioned in the title of that video that it appears that fake facts were presented to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled on a case. And uh, in response to that video, I had a whole ton of people emailing me say, Steve, um, are you even aware of what's going on here? Uh, and a lot of people, I guess, were responding to my video without having watched it, which I guess makes it kind of silly I'm making this video because if they don't watch the first video, they won't watch the second one. But several people sent me a statement and said, Steve, did you see the statement put out by the ADFL? Um, and that's ADF legal. Did you see the statement they put out? Because they explained why you're wrong. And I had several people say that. They go, they go, they explain why you're wrong. Now, they didn't obviously respond to me, but they put out a statement responding to this kerfuffle saying that, you know, they've been slandered and libeled and a few other things. And so I read their statement. And interestingly, after reading their statement, which, by the way, I will read it to you now, just so everyone's clear here. But they still admit that what was presented to the court may have been fake. They don't know. They don't know. They're just saying they didn't do it, and they're upset that people have insinuated that maybe they did do it. However, we don't know who did it, but somebody submitted something that got into the court record, and the person who it's attributed to says, I never did that. And as the ADF legal points out, it could be that that guy did submit it and just won't admit it. We don't know. We don't know. So I... I Again, I'm fearful that already people are hammering out angry responses to this video without even knowing what I'm going to say. So I will give you a reward for sticking around. If you stick through this video at the end, I'm going to give you my opinion. I had a lot of people also critical of me saying, Steve, why won't you give your opinion on this? And I said, uh, in anticipation of that question, that people don't hire attorneys to get their opinions. People hire attorneys to find out what the law is. And so I was simply talking about an oddity in the law. And by the way, I even said in my video that I was most surprised and disappointed by the journalists who didn't find this earlier because it was not publicized until very, very late in the case. And the journalist who did bring it to attention said that they were kind of surprised that it hadn't been found earlier. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, in that case, why didn't you find it earlier? So Here's the deal. I'm going to now read to you the statement. And this, uh, by the way, I'll put a link to the statement in the description below the video. ADFlegal.org is the website, but the link will be below. And the headline is Responding to a Media Smear in 303 Creative. And 303 Creative is the name of the client, but also the name of the case uh, at SCOTUS. And the subhead says, When ADF and our clients are slandered, we will respond. So in the spirit of speaking freely, Let's address a viral falsehood head on. And Greg Scott wrote this. I do not know Greg Scott, but he wrote this. And he says free speech is for everyone, our opponents included. At Alliance Defending Freedom, we make strong arguments and we draft strong briefs. And we expect our opponents to engage in healthy debate with our beliefs and our arguments. Strong disagreement about big questions is a feature of free speech, not a bug. And I, I agree with that 100%. I salute the man for saying that. A robust debate is actually good. Uh, it would be bad if people just were told things and like zombies, they believed it. So you, you got you to think for yourself. And I agree 100% that 
that you should be allowed to debate with people. And somebody says this, you say, well, what about this? And, you, and you, get, you, get, you get to the meat of the matter. He says, in fact, that's part of the reason ADF exists. Our mission is to defend everyone's right to live and speak the truth. Unfortunately, not everyone sees free speech that way, and some use their freedom to slander and misrepresent those they disagree with. In the days leading up to our victory in the landmark U.S. Supreme Court case, 303 Creative versus Alinas, some chose to invent ugly untruths about our organization in our case. The answer to these untruths isn't silence, it's more speech. So he's going to respond, and I got no problem with that. When ADF and our clients are slandered, we will respond. So in the spirit of speaking freely, let's address a viral falsehood head on. Next head, what was the claim? The day before the Supreme Court issued its decision, a left-wing magazine called The New Republic published an article suggesting it looks like uh, ADF client Lori Smith and her attorneys have, perhaps unwittingly, invented a gay couple in need of a wedding website. The claim comes from an inquiry that Lori received on her website in September of 2016, the day after she filed her lawsuit, from someone who self-identified as Stuart. This person requested Lori design custom graphics for a same-sex wedding. Lori did not respond to the inquiry because Colorado law could punish her if she responded. In fact, the Colorado law even made it illegal for Lori directly or indirectly to publish any communication saying she could not create websites celebrating same-sex weddings. Years later, the magazine decided to reach out to Stewart using the contact information found in the legal briefs. The man said he had never submitted the form. In other words, the New Republic implied we had fabricated the request. Uh, I would like to point out that I, and I believe the New Republic, even said it's possible that this was sent by the Stewart guy and he just doesn't want to admit it or, or what. Or it could have been sent by anybody. But he, he, the, the guy who's writing this says that the implication he felt was there. He says that implication, or that is false. To repeat it is a lie. And it would have been nonsensical to have manufactured the request in the first place. As a liberal Supreme Court commentator, no fan of the case, said, there is no evidence whatsoever that either 303 Creative or ADF fabricated the fake request. The allegation makes no sense. Why fabricate the request after rather than before the complaint is filed? And why make the fraud so easy to detect? Well, some could say it was so easy to detect. How come nobody detected it? But no, I agree. It would be very strange. And I think I used that word to describe the situation. It would be strange. But there's no evidence whatsoever about who created it. They don't know anything about it. So what, it, what could it have been 303? Could it have been a guy named Stewart? Could it have been me? I mean, theoretically, we don't know. I mean, I'll tell you, I did not do it. 303 says they didn't do it. Uh, the ADF says they didn't do it. But the problem is that Stewart says he didn't do it either. So, you know, there you go. What the magazine didn't consider was the far more likely scenario that Stewart or someone using his contact information did submit the request for context. Stewart is a web designer and former CNN employee who called the Supreme Court's decision disgraceful. But all these facts were inconvenient to the intended smear of ADF and our client by the New Republic. Um, I, you know, he says that Stewart or someone using his contact information, but he has no information that it was Stewart. And obviously there's somebody other than Stewart using his contact information without his permission. That's a very different thing. So uh, unfortunately, I think this guy is actually doing to other people, what he says have been done to, 
his people. But again, this is all degrees and all that. So um, after the article was published, a major newspaper decided to add fuel to fire by going a step further, claiming the veracity of a key document was in question. Key document may be fake, read the headline. And the media smears continued after that with powerful voices in law and government stoking the flames of misinformation. Well, the veracity of a key document is in question because the guy who purportedly created it says he didn't create it and nobody asked him before the court ruled whether he had created it. So the veracity is in question. Um, I mean, look up the word veracity. We, we, we don't know if that document's real. So is the document fake? I, I guess you could say we don't know if it's fake, but my, my bigger concern is that when you submit documents to the court uh, and say this is what it purports to be, I've mentioned before that attorneys who sign pleadings vouch for the pleadings. And one of the things they're vouching for is that they did an actual review of what they're submitting and they can tell the court, yes, this stuff is real. And so you could ask yourself, the attorneys who signed documents and submitted stuff to the court, what did they do to check the veracity of that submission? And if they said, well, all I did is I talked to my client, my client said they received this via email. Well, we don't know who sent it then, do we? All we know is we received it via email. And so the veracity of it, that is, is it authentic and is it what it purports to be? That veracity is, in fact, called into question. So did ADF Legal do it? They say they didn't. Did Stewart do it? He says he didn't. We, we just don't know. And the fact that we don't know is what I was saying was so strange. Because generally speaking, by the time something gets to the U.S. Supreme Court, it's been gone over by all kinds of people, not just the litigants and their attorneys. So here's what actually happened, according to this writer. On September 20th, 2016, we filed our federal lawsuit on behalf of Lori Smith, a graphic artist who designs custom websites. Her case was a pre-enforcement challenge, meaning we were challenging the law before it was used to punish her. And I mentioned that also, and I did say that those are less common than the cases where people actually were punished. But they are allowed to accept cases on a pre-enforcement challenge basis. It's just that they are less common. So there you go. Pre-enforcement challenges like Lori's are common. They're a hallmark of civil rights litigation, and they're an essential part of our judicial system. No one should have to wait to be punished before challenging an unjust vote. However, I would disagree with him if he's trying to say they are more common than a post-enforcement challenge. Because everyone knows the phrase test case. Someone gets arrested, and they're doing it openly, and people say, oh my gosh, you got arrested, and there's TV cameras there? Yeah, I called them. Why? I wanted to get publicity for this, because this is going to be a test case. And so test cases often are people go out intentionally break the law or do something they know could get them arrested. And when they get arrested, they say, okay, now I'm going to go fight this in a different venue. What's more, every one of the 12 appellate judges who looked at the case agreed that Lori had standing to bring the lawsuit. And by the way, I never addressed standing. People ask me about that. And uh, standing is whether you've got the right to bring a lawsuit. And I think she did. I just think that her case, if it had been considered shaky, would have been stronger had she been prosecuted. That's all. None of their opinions even considered whether Lori had received a request to design a same-sex wedding website. And that was also mentioned in the New Republic article. They said that at the time that she filed her action, uh, she had not received any requests. 
No one disputes that Lori did, in fact, receive the request on September 21st, the day after she filed the case. That alone should put any controversy to rest. But again, what makes these baseless attacks even more laughable is that we had no reason to fabricate a request. Um, that is true, and that's one of the reasons that this is so strange. It is strange. But on the other hand, if she had no reason to fabricate a request, why bother submitting it to the court, especially if it was filed after you filed your lawsuit? Why, why was it submitted to the court if it was so unnecessary? I'm just asking the question. Um, furthermore, Lori's case was not just any pre-enforcement challenge. It was a particularly strong one. To establish standing, Lori simply had to show that she faced a credible threat of enforcement from Colorado if she designed websites consistent with her beliefs. And that statement is 100% correct. There's no question that she had standing here. The case of Jack Phillips, another ADF client, illustrates just how credible those threats are. Jack has now been in litigation for over a decade. Colorado prosecuted him after he declined to design a custom cake for a same-sex wedding. On the very day the Supreme Court announced it would hear his case, an activist attorney called Jack requesting a cake to celebrate a gender transition. After Jack politely declined that request, the state began another round of enforcement proceedings against him. Lori saw how aggressive Colorado has been in enforcing its law, so she decided to file a lawsuit to protect not just her free speech, but the free speech of every American. And both the appellate court and the Supreme Court agreed that she had standing to bring the suit. The appellants are rightfully wary of offering wedding-related services and may challenge the law as chilling their speech, the appellate court ruled. So he asks, what's the big deal? Had the misinformation about 303 Creative been confined to an anonymous Twitter user or Reddit troll, it would have been worth our time to respond. But these mistruths were peddled by those who have responsibility and obligation to report honestly. They came from one source, the New Republic article, and snowballed from there. And I have to ask the question, if it started with one journalist or one news outlet and, this, and, the, and the underlying fact is an issue, you can't say, well, it's all their fault because, among other things, some other journalist could have figured this out, as I pointed out. <laughs> the fact that nobody did is kind of disappointing. But the problem here is that something was submitted to the court that wasn't what it was presented as being. That's all. In the days following the Supreme Court's decision, we've seen the Colorado Attorney General, former White House staff, prominent attorneys who should and likely do know better, and even one cabinet member shamefully spread the lies about our case. And I don't think that he's addressing me with prominent attorney. Uh, I am prominent in some fields, but I don't think that uh, my video would have gotten on this guy's radar. Americans should ignore this manufactured outrage. And by the way, um, you watch my video, I wasn't uh, in a tizzy. I, I said the real crazy thing here, the strange thing here, is that this made it all the way to the Supreme Court before anybody figured it out. That, to me, was the weird part. That was so strange. And you have to understand, there are like Supreme Court junkies out there who just simply follow what the Supreme Court does for fun. And I'm surprised none of them figured this out. Because somebody could have just seen the name of the plaintiff and the name of the defendant, and they start going through all the documents. As they go through the documents, they go, oh, here's the name of the guy who submitted a request that's been submitted to the Supreme Court and the appellate court as, as an exhibit. And you look the guy up and you go, huh, it's weird. Maybe, I, don't, I don't know if he's got a Facebook page or not, but, but you know, social media might reveal whether or not the guy's married and to whom. Americans should ignore this manufactured outrage. 
303 Creative versus Alinas was a victory for the free speech rights of every citizen of this country, which the Supreme Court repeatedly stressed in its majority opinion. Uh, the majority wrote, a commitment to speech for only some messages and some persons is no commitment at all. In another passage, the court wrote, the First Amendment envisions the United States as a rich and complex place where all persons are free to think and speak as they wish, not as the government demands. By allowing all views to flourish, the framers understand, excuse me, the framers understood we may test and improve our own thinking both as individuals and as a nation. Put even more concisely, the answer to false speech is more speech. Free speech allows the pursuit of truth, and truth is powerful, truth prevails, and the ADF will continue to stand for everyone's ability to live it and speak it. And so that is the response uh, from the Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, written by Greg Scott. And he says they're responding to a media smear in 303 Creative. And he says, when ADF and our clients are slandered, we will respond. So in the spirit of speaking freely, let's address a viral falsehood head on. So that's his statement. It was published 19 hours ago, according to the uh, thing on the screen. Yes, I've been reading off a computer the whole time. I apologize. Not using my typical blue paper. <laughs> but just to be clear here, I never took a side and said, oh, I, I, I like this side or I don't like that side or I think what these people are doing is bad. Or I, I simply said it was so bizarre that something like this made it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And I believe it made it past oral arguments. It just hadn't been issued as ruling yet, where somebody said, oh, let's double check <laughs> the veracity of this one thing. And when they looked at it, it was weird. It, it, the, the, the person who supposedly sent it said, I never sent that. And as noted, he could have sent it, and now he's saying he didn't, or it was sent by somebody absolutely unknown to any of the parties. We don't know. It could have been sent by somebody as a prank. We don't know. The point is, we don't know who said it. And just to be clear, Greg Scott and the ADF likewise say they don't know who sent it either. I don't know who sent it. Presumably, there's one person out there who knows who sent it. And there are hundreds of millions of people just in America. There's billions on this great globe spinning through space. One of them probably sent this, unless the AI has gotten a hold of a, a, an email address and is now just sending emails to cause trouble. So that is a statement from the Alliance Defending Freedom. There you go. And to be clear, they say they didn't send it. The guy who was attributed to says he didn't send it. I didn't send it. And if you didn't send it, none of us knows who sent it. That, to me, was the weird part about the story. That's what I thought was so noteworthy, okay? So people have gotten irate with me for two reasons. One is they didn't watch my video, and they assume that I was slamming the ADF here. And in my first video, I was not. But I also got people who said, Steve, you never weigh in on political things. And I generally don't, because I'm never going to change anybody's mind. And, and so you don't go to an attorney to get their opinion. You go to an attorney to find out what the law is. But I'm going to tell you my opinion on this one, because I think my opinion is what we call innocuous. I don't think it hurts anybody, whether you believe it or not, or whether you adopt my opinion on this either. But I personally believe that in the field of the arts, that is artists, photographers, graphic artists, web designers, people who do creative work, okay? 
But I believe it or not, I'm going to put lawyers in that group too for a reason you'll understand in a second because I'm a lawyer and I'm going to include myself in that group. If you are a graphic designer or an artist or a photographer or any of those creative types and someone comes to you and goes, I want to hire you, a work for hire. I'm going to pay you to create something for me. I want you to create something for me. I want it to be good. I want it to be good. You want that person to be inspired. You want them to do good work for you. You've gone to their website. You've, gone to this, you've seen them at an art show. You've seen their work, and they've shown you their best work. And their best work has got to be inspired. They probably can't wake up in the morning while drinking coffee and not paying attention, create a, a masterpiece with one hand. They probably can't. So when you go to somebody and say, can you do this for me? I want to hire you. If they say, you know something? I can't. I'm not inspired to do that. Regardless of the reason, I think they should have the right to do that. I, th- I think so. And, and by the way, I think that the person who's asking for the service should be able to say, okay, I'll go someplace else then. Because remember, this is all capitalism. If there's actually a big opportunity out there to design, for instance, gay wedding wedding sites, then somebody out there who's really into that can start a website and say, guess what I do? I do what 303 Creative won't do. And so bring your business to me. And if it's a good business idea, it'll work. And there you go. And so you might say, but Steve, you mentioned earlier in a rather strange aside that you'd group attorneys into that group. Well, not because we're creative, but let's suppose you came into my office and you said, Steve, I want you to bring a lawsuit, and I want to chase this all the way to the Supreme Court. And it has to do with gay rights. It has to do with gay rights. I would say to you, I'm sorry, I don't take those cases. I handle lemon law cases, consumer protection cases, UCC cases, warranty cases, Mag Moss cases. I don't do gay rights cases. I'm sorry. Now, you could say, oh my gosh, Steve, you're turning me down because I'm gay. No, I'm turning you down because what you're requesting I do is not what I do. And if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. And I turn down business all the time because it falls outside of my lane. There's the lane I'm in. I want to stay in that lane. By the way, as a client, you want an attorney who's found his niche and is good at it and stays in his niche. So if you said, but Steve, I don't care. I want to hire you anyway. I would say, I don't care. I don't want to take your case. And I'm doing us both a service by doing that. Do you want an uninspired attorney taking your case? Guess who does a better job? An attorney who's inspired, an attorney who's not inspired. And now you might say, but Steve, I throw money at you. Isn't money the inspiration? No, it's not. No, it's not. Because there are attorneys out there in any given field who are up to speed on that field, and they're fired up waiting for you to walk in their door. And so in this case, it was ADF. ADF, I'm not saying they had money thrown at them, but I'm saying ADF heard about this case. I don't know how they got together. All I know is that ADF was fired up to handle this case. They took it to the Supreme Court and they won. I know attorneys who've been trying their entire lives to get a case in front of the Supreme Court. Haven't done it yet. They might never. The odds against you are quite bad. It's tough to do. So I salute them for getting a case there and winning. That's, that's, a, that's a big deal in the legal field, okay? My point is that 303 Creative could have walked into any 
law office up and down the street where they are and walked into any attorney and said, hey, you want to handle this case for us? And I'll bet you some of them would have said, no, it's not what we do. Not because they want to discriminate against them, but because literally it's not what they do. There have been a couple of bad edits here, and it's because I'm, I'm coughing. I'm, I apologize. I'm not chopping out vital information. Trust me. But I've been discussing this over the last couple of days with friends of mine. And I've had several people go, I wouldn't want to hire somebody who didn't want to work for me for whatever reason. You know, so that's my personal opinion. So if you walked into a business and said, I want to hire you, and what you do is artistic and creative and you need to feel inspired, I think you should have the right to turn down that business for whatever reason. Uh, It probably wouldn't be good etiquette to say, here's why we're turning it down. But I can picture situations where uh, the wedding planner or website designer or whatever it might be could just say, you know something, I'm really sorry, but I, I I can't do this one. I can't do this one. Why? I don't have to give you a reason, actually. Do I? Is there a law? Is there a law that says I have to give you a reason? <laughs> if there was, you can take that to the Supreme Court and see what happens with that. So I've had people come into my office. In fact, I've mentioned before, I turn down much more business than I accept. If you count how many people ask me for help and how many people actually hire me and that I agree to work with, it's a very, very small number compared to all the people who ask me for help. And the, the vast majority of cases I turn down, I turn down because they're not what I do. Could I broaden my horizons? And I, I, used, to, I used to handle anything. As I've, I've gotten more experience, I've just narrowed and narrowed and narrowed. Like I said, I've gotten in my lane. I'm, 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 I'm happy there. And I do very, very good work there. I do decent work here. I would probably do questionable work here. I'd probably be committing malpractice over here. But a smart tradesperson knows what they're good at, and they do it. And they know what they're not good at, and they try not to do that. Okay, so I hope that didn't offend too many people. But then again, considering how many people got upset by my video yesterday who didn't watch it, I have no idea. All bets are off. So there you go. But I want to make sure that you understood that is a statement by Greg Scott from ADF Legal responding to a media smear in 303 Creative. He says they did not create that document, nor did they have any knowledge that it was false. And I'm not even sure if he went that far, but, but I'm going to say it on his behalf because I'm sure he would have asked. And the only problem we have is that the person is attributed to, likewise, said they didn't submit it. So all we know at this point in time is none of us knows who submitted it, which goes back to my original statement that that is, in fact, a very odd thing to have happened in litigation at the U.S. Supreme Court. And as I always say, questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. I wish I knew at 30 half of what I thought I knew at 20.